My spidey sense is tingling. Hello. He's the man who Jeff Lemire calls the trucker hat superstar. And he is also the host of the Paper Cake Podcast, episode 105. He's slim. He's here now. <laughs> Welcome to uh, the show. Thanks for being here. The improv uh, comedy troupe. <laughs> Sorry, Jonesy. First and last show ever. Uh, we talk about industry news, the books we're reading, and we do a book club. Tim Sievert, Top Shelf, That Salty Air. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, it's a comics podcast, but we're not garbage. First of all, this entire show was started to save you from garbage podcasts. Uh, speaking of not garbage, he's excited by the Kindle fanfic news about Valiant. <laughs> he is readying his Quantum and Woody... Storyline that he's been waiting years to tell. Look at his ear-to-ear smile. <laughs> uh, Jonesy Loves Beer is a writer, he's a father, and he's a writer. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm just saying that there isn't enough Quantum Leap crossover fanfic out there yet, and I'm hoping to change that every day. It's not even Quantum Leap. Or unless you're you're above my head and you're merging Quantum Leap and Quantum and Woody into two properties. Why can't you? That sounds like it's fanfic. The sky's the limit. Uh, Can you imagine how much work Jonesy would produce given the chance for fanfic? <laughs> he hasn't done a thing with his inherited comic. A thing. But fanfic... You know, watch he's gonna out. Be, he's going to be taking notes on the... He's going to be on the dumper, taking notes on his phone, <laughs> sinking it to the cloud... Everything. <laughs> Dumper sink. I think that's a new app Jones is working on. <laughs> it just it wait till you see the icon. It goes into the bathroom and it just automatically sinks. Geofencing dumping. It's Dale got a porcelain detector. Uh, you're a father. Absolutely. We talk privately uh, all the time about your struggles. And we sometimes do another podcast. Maybe we'll get into that later. We've got big news tonight. Uh, Dale underscore A, VP of Merch. Welcome back. Uh, thanks, fellows. It's uh, always a pleasure to spend my evenings with my best friends talking comics. Class act. Not a troll. <laughs> Not a troll. By the way. Oh, man. We could have the biggest show in history. We've got two major announcements uh, in the pipe. Big. Uh, first of which, let's just get into it right now. If you're a long-time listener, hold on to your butts. Your butt cheeks. <laughs> it's like saying butt cheeks. 
you know, last year we was it last year or two years ago? Last year. Last July. Oh my. The memories we had. Last July we went to a bar that is also an arcade. They call it Barcade. And we invited our closest friends that listened to the show, meaning everybody that listened, to hang out with us and have some brew pops, some ice cold guzzlies, and we're doing it again. What? <laughs> Are you, Matt? Slim. Hello, what? Slim. Tell me. Um, you know, a lot of people thought the show would end before we had another meetup. Guess what? The joke's on you, you son of a gun. We're having another meetup Saturday, July 27th. What? 7 p.m. Sharp. Uh, as far as I'm aware, Dale's going to be there. I'm going to be there. And everything else is up in the air. And the rest. <laughs> Are you going to be there, Jonesy? I will be there. In fact, I'm sending my family away that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You, mm-hmm. Where are you? Are you <laughs> actually, it's thing? actually coincidental they're already leaving, but I made that call. You will take full credit for it. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm excited. I'm very excited. That was a fun time last year. I was wearing this shirt to that meetup. Shocker. Are you, are you serious right now? I have like four shirts. I wear them all the time. Yeah, um, it was uh, a blast last year. Uh, the only thing, the on, my only qualm, it went by too fast, and my pregnant, then pregnant wife came to pick me up far too soon. At like 8.30. It was like 8.30, like, and you were waving goodbye, like, see you guys, I gotta go home. Yeah, and that, she was just leading me. It could have been, not been my wife, could have been just a, a man dressed as a woman. Flimsy. <laughs> being as drunk as I was, I would I just followed him down the road. You did one of those, like, hand-in-the-back-pocket moves with whoever that was. Mm-hmm. You put your hand in their back pocket, and you guys were side-by-side. And, there's and Jonesy tight. looked good. Jonesy was hammered. And I had Jonesy a car was... full of Canadians. You did. A catcher? The uh, co-host of the uh, Echo Rift podcast had to escort me back to my car, <laughs> protect me for some street toughs. I don't know if you know much about uh, MCON, but he is built like a brick S-house. From the Echo and, Rift podcast. And he was my bodyguard. Like, imagine the cover to the bodyguard movie, only I'm Whitney Houston being cradled by M. Con's arms right. as he walks me through the rainy crowd. I see it. Was it was beautiful. It was beautiful. So that's in Philadelphia. How about, Barcade. How about Jonesy immediately prepared to get jumped? Just because. <laughs> just because he's. Yeah, he's in Philadelphia. And Fish he's town. an attractive man. What are you going to do? Jonesy knows do- he's. He's Republic enemy number one in that area. You guys see this hair? I mean, wouldn't you? Did it's you not do a light switch? Where you I just put can't your, turn it off. Did you put your keys in between your knuckles just in, just in case? Yeah, like a little, you know, tiny Wolverine. Uh, Made of uh, house keys. So so come on down. No cover. As far oh, yeah. as we're aware, we have no idea. We haven't <laughs> contacted the bar. We've in done any way. no research. <laughs> I remember last year. I was so excited. My VP of merch uh, abilities. I tweeted them. And then they fully wanted me to tweet them back and start setting up some sort of party where you pay. And I'm like, never. Oh, I just God. ceased communication. I'm just like, we're just going to meet there. We're just going <laughs> to meet there. We're just going to meet there. Nobody knows anything. Right. Gave him the fake telephone number. Yeah. You gave yeah. him the uh, New York rejection hotline. Catcher yeah. is wor- Catcher. Catcher has been working on the teasers, and he's working on a. By the time this posts, there will be a poster that everyone can print out what? on their HP laser jet. 
and posts on telephone poles to let people know. Mm-hmm. If uh, if you guys, man, I really local, hope we get the crazies then. If you guys aren't local to Philadelphia, I mean, you know, pack up your stuff, pack up your wife or your husband, come on down, get rid come of to them. the uh, city of Philadelphia, and brotherly uh, love. Have some couple time and then come to Barcade and hang out with us. It's going to be the greatest night of our lives. There's no doubt. I am uh, so fine anyway. Looking this is this is just one announcement, guys. Next week uh, will be Barcade next week. Uh, no, not next week. We're <laughs> going. You know, there's been a lot of rumblings on guest hosts since Mark Farrington has died and left the show. People are so unsatisfied with us anymore. It's <laughs> makes me want to jump off a building. That's because we don't have regular updates about Mark's acting career. If we did, they would still tune in. Mark is dead. That's a known fact. Um, so there's been rumblings. You know, who will fill this chair? I'm getting DMs about it, guys. Who's who's next? Give me the dirt. We can officially announce that on Paper Keg number 106. Um. I will say, if that anyone is listening for the first time ever, they have definitely tuned out. All this is so <laughs> inside, and nobody gives a crap. Next and first guest host since Mark has left, none other than Seth Breedslove from the Ancillary Characters podcast. You heard your first. What? Noted Superman DC fanboy. Hint. He is bringing his DC-isms mm-hmm. with him yeah, to the podcast, and uh, he he's going to treat us right. We're going to treat him right. It's going to be a good time, I think. We're going to reach across the time. aisle. Bipartisan friendships will be forged. How long, uh, how long will this have been since Mark had left the show, mm-hmm. that, yeah. that episode, Dale? Five, five, five episodes. Weeks? Yeah. Only a month wow, and a week. Can you believe that? It's only mm-hmm. been five. It's like a lifetime, Mark. Mark. Uh, if we wanted to, I was waiting for. I wanted Dale to do the punchline, but if we wanted to go in, 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 you know, after Jesus died, they called it AD. But if after Mark, we're going to call it AB. After Black, this will be five episodes <laughs> after Black. Five, five AB. <laughs> Seth will rise and become a guest host on the show. But we're running out of time. Do we have any news? That was the news. Tony Stark, back. Avengers 2. Robert Downey Jr., 60-year-old man. <laughs> That's right. You Your heard thoughts. it here first. He signed on for the next two movies minimum. That's his current deal. And I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to think of an Iron Man slash Tony Stark that isn't Morton Downey Jr. No, Robert <laughs> Downey Jr. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, good, good for him. He's gonna, you know, probably gonna get some of that Captain America skincare product line. Yeah, he should keep his face real chiseled. Um, and, uh, that's good, good for him. Let's uh, let's just cut the bowl. Let's get into the comics that we read this week. Um, so, what did you read this week, Jonesy? Uh, I read a great new indie book called M Theory. M Theory. Uh. <laughs> It's a great story about a guy who comes home one day and uh, his girlfriend is kind of off her rocker, has a pair of women's under under things and says, uh, I found these. You're cheating on me. And he's like, what, what? No. 
And then she shoots him and he's dead. Oh my God. And in his arms is this kitten that he was going to surprise the girlfriend with. So he wakes up in the afterlife, allegedly, with a guy smoking a big cigar and he identifies himself as St. Peter. And all of a sudden, this guy's cat can talk. And it's like his little guide. And uh, St. Peter basically tells him, you're going to go on these missions for me to earn your way into heaven. So his first mission is to go down to Earth and stop a bunch of zombie invasions. But what St. Peter doesn't mention or mentions at the last moment is that the zombies are all little people. And they're dressed as clowns. (laughs) So uh, he... He proceeds to try to get to the bottom of things, and uh, there's a pretty good cliffhanger at the end. I won't spoil, but um, it's a short it's synopsis. Not a the, 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 what's that? <laughs> what's that? He's got to, he's got to stoop pretty low to get to the bottom of things. <laughs> uh, do it. <laughs> so, I mean, the synopsis is quick because the book is is just a breakneck pace, but uh, the art is very like Garfield, like very cartoony. Uh, it's very tongue-in-cheek humor. It kind of pokes fun at religion, the horror genre, you know, the rom-com genre. It's uh, it's really fun. I think it's going to go in some crazy places. M theory, E H M M M theory. Hmm. I think uh, hmm. I think everybody should. I think it was ninety-nine cents. Let me let oh, me double check you. Oh. Can't beat that. Is that the uh, Comicsology submit? I don't know. Is it it's slim? A, is it a submit? How book? did you find? It? I'm not sure. No, I'm sorry. I lied. It's three ninety nine. It is a full oh. price comic. Woo. It was uh, it but it was a new and uh, noteworthy on uh, the oh. front page of the uh, the comic shop. We have a special team that curates that page just for you, Jonesy. Come the Jonesy. Is it team, you, the J team? Is it really you? <laughs> and just an old Mac that you have running in the back of the office while you guys are playing it. Halo. I have a series of Usenet groups that vote <laughs> on what, what to put in there. <laughs> Uh, let's shift emotional gears, if we could, please. Uncanny Avengers. I have to talk about this book now. Hmm. Okay. Action Lab Comics. Oh. Hmm. Um, Rick Remendo is writing Uncanny Avengers with Daniel Akinya on art. This is the United Nations of superhero teams. They're trying to unite humans and regular people. Did I say humans and regular people? I meant mutants and regular people. And this is the title that infamously set the internet aflame when Alex Summers made that speech about the M word and mutants. And uh everyone in their everyone asked their collective pants. Sure, sure. So this issue actually I, I think it's probably like three months since that happened. This issue actually does what they talked about and I think even Tom Brevoort and Remendo said like you know you would think that his teammates maybe disagree with him and would probably have a problem with it later on you should wait so this is that issue they're like fighting in the danger room and every member outside of Cap and Alex are debating his speech and how or how it does not offend them but this issue also spoilers fast forward um deals with Captain America finding out that Wolverine and his X-Force team killed Archangel in Apocalypse. Oh, whoops. Yeah. What? 
So he flips out because the Apocalypse Twins are on the run and they think that he's kind of set the wheels in motion. So the Apocalypse Twins have created their own new horsemen. And the beginning of the story opens with Wolverine still not still grieving over having to murder his own son by drowning him at the end of Uncanny X-Force. Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, amazing final, second-to-last issue. Spoilers. (laughs) Happened uh, like a year ago. And so the new horsemen are formed, pulling in different characters from Uncanny X-Force and Avengers. So the next, like, few issues are going to deal with Wolverine... And the fallout from Uncanny X Force, and it's making my pants wet. Just thinking. So, about who it. are the new horsemen? I'm not sure. Should we spoil that for spoil Dale? Spoil it. I'm not He's sure. Not if we should. That's no, okay. Please do. I'm I'm t- like two issues behind, but I don't mind. One still love of the, the horsemen, Sentry, wow. brought wow. back from the dead. He's rejuvenated. Back. Uh, let me see. What's the What's the one? What's the Avengers villain with that axe for an arm? He's like the brother of Wonder Man. Century. Uh, Grim Reaper? Yes. Grim wow. Reaper. Back wow, from he, the so dead. he didn't die in vain. That's cool. I thought he was just like killed in that issue. Um, wreaking Havoc next. Member of the Horseman. Banshee. What? Back from the dead. And the final member of the Horseman of Apocalypse. Mark Farrington. Wolverine's own son, Dakin. Get out of here. So now Wolverine will have to come face to face with his greatest failure. <laughs> his own son. I mean, I Dale, you need to read the uh, the final arc of Uncanny X-Force. It's amazing. Is this mm. book just like an emotional roller coaster for you, Slim? This, I mean, the last few issues have been good, but I didn't like, I wasn't attached at any for any like reason, but the, he's been hinting that he planned on taking Uncanny Avengers and dealing head on with the end of Uncanny X Force, so it's finally going to happen, mm. which I'm totally great with because that book was amazing. I Except love for it. that one arc with the skinless man. The art was terrible. Uh, Dale, what did you read? I read a little something that Doctor Dre would call something of a phenom. And that is IDW's Wild Blue Yonder. This book, so I had good. no idea, no idea what this book was. I see it uh, on my LCS's shelf. A a woman pilot on the cover in a, in a in a very World War Two esque getup, an old you know tailspin type fighter plane on it as well I'm immediately attracted to it and I see Mike Raked Rate wrote it and you fellows may or may not recognize the name from the stuff of legend met that guy we talked about way back when oh yeah oh yeah and the easiest coolest tagline I would put into this would be Think of Waterworld, but it's everything's in the air instead of the water. The Earth is beyond 
destroyed, polluted, irradiated. And everybody fortunate enough has taken to the skies. And they live in sort of floating barges, airships. And obviously they it's a struggle to survive, you know, and they are there are roving bands of bad people too. And they all have, you know, start scraping together planes with armies. And it's a very it's a gorgeous book. The colors are very earth toned and the aircraft is very reminiscent of World War Two, even though this is kind of in the future. And, you know, obviously the airships are a little futuristic. It's still kind of set. Like, everything's kind of regressed with their bomber jackets and their fire goggles and stuff like that. Splendid. What a completely amazing first issue. One of five. So, you you know it's going to be a, a miniseries. You've got really nothing to lose, even if you bought five issues. It's not like you're invested for any much longer than that. Mm-hmm. I was I was blown away by it. I love the artwork. I love the setting. There's this uh, old whiskey bar, like at the peak of a mountain, and, the, and it's called the Peak. But I love that little touch. How you know life that is possibly in the ground is all up high in the mountains because you go too low and you're going to get killed by radiation. Beautiful. This remi- this kind of reminded me of what if the real world was like Disney's tailspin. You guys remember that show? It was uh, the Jungle Book animals, and they had all the planes and the pirates. Even her gunship, uh, Cola's gunship, reminded me a lot of the uh, sea duck of uh, tailspin fame. You know, the kind of like the bi-wing, bi-tail design. It was really cool. Uh, I loved the whole myth of the dawn which is their flagship it's the only ship in the world that has solar power so it can realistically stay in the air forever so like everybody's after it including the villain of the book the judge and uh you know there's some history there there's some setup there you just get a little taste in the first issue and uh it's defrey def defrey it is defrey appealing (laughs) Yeah, it's fantastic. He, uh, the, she stops into Cola, the driver, uh, the the pilot, stops into the peak to search for uh, another gunner because she lost hers. Unfortunately, picks up a gentleman named Tug, who just got out of a mine working in the mines. And I was, I, I mean, I'm, cl- I'm completely blown away. This is the only the second thing I've ever read by Mike Rake, but it's absolutely, I recommend everybody go pick it up if they can. Gorgeous. Are you you clicking a pen over there? Me? Yeah. Who's who is that? I don't know what you're talking about, Ben. I hear some kind of clicking. <laughs> Look at that smile on Jonesy's Maybe face. it's just in your head. Uh, how about the the art is phenomenal in that book. I don't know how that's a monthly book. I mean, it was thirty pages, and maybe he had some lead time with the Kickstarter. But he's also the artist, or was the artist on the Cape from Joe Hill. Do you remember that book? Oh yeah. Okay. Fun, fun, dark book about death and family. But I mean, the art is I like. There was a two-page spread on that. I think of the dawn, um, where I was zooming in to see all the details that that guy did. That guy drew it was amazing. Looks like Zach Howard did the art, mm-hmm. along with Nelson Daniel on colors. But I mean, absolutely gorgeous. The colors and the like. I said just the reminiscence of old-timey World War II kind of planes, but 
it only just feels that way. Like you're you're in the future. What a, what a great story and a great characterization by everyone in the book. Kind of reminded me also before we move on, like the fun energy that a new hope had where you know mm. there's kind of like this evil empire even the little jets that report to the judge remind me kind of like tie fighters you know cola mm-hmm. is like the hand solo character who has the cool ship and you know she's kind of like the uh the rogue you know rebel walks on the wild side it's just that it had a cool bar with weird things in it just yeah to, her mom her mom is the captain of the dawn so they're button heads because the, the captain. She's like the Peru t- <laughs> of this universe. <laughs> it just uh, it She's was tr- it was a ton of fun. Right, absolutely. Uh, lightning round. We're running out of tape. Mm, my goodness. We have to get into the most popular segment in the show's history, 105 episode history. Uh, two sentences or less, Jonesy. A book that you also read, The Crow Curare. Bless you. Walk. No, scratch that. Run, don't walk to your comic book shop to get the Crow Curare. It's easily the best Crow property since the original film with Brandon Lee. Amazing piece of art. Did you know he died while filming that movie? Yeah. <laughs> well, one live round fact. and a whole clip, I think. Did you know that the voice of Spawn was also the voice of... Uh, Lightning around. Yeah, Let's keep it moving, guys. Goliath. <laughs> Lightning Goliath. From yeah, I, I think everybody knew that, Jones. The X-Files. Season 10. Fox, Mulder, and Dana Scully are in witness protection. And they are in deep trouble. Sex and they trouble. did something that they might regret in this series. good six gun gorilla simon spurrier and jeff stokely a futuristic civil war where people would rather be on the front lines than be put to death for crimes they committed one such conflict caught in the middle saved at the end by a gorilla wielding two six shooters. Boom. Amazing. Boom amazing is part of that second sentence. That salty air from Top Shelf and Tim Sievert. Jonesy, please take us in. So, Hugh. Bring us ashore. Through that salty air. So Hugh is a fisher person, fisherman. Uh, he <laughs> makes fisher person. Why would that be made... ever ever the first word that comes up? Listen, along? Jim Lynn for Pope is trolling me hard right now. While during taping the show, and I'm just trying to keep it together. Close your Twitter account right now, then. <laughs> so, that's the other app that he's got open on his Mac. He didn't tell us about. Listen, guys, Hugh <laughs> is fishing, and his wife Marianne is on the shore waiting. The friendly mailman, Jeff, comes up and says, you got two letters, Marianne. One for you, one for Hugh. You know, she opens her letter. The fisherman. The fisher person. 
And uh, Hugh comes back, and while he's on his way back, he enjoys a lunch, and, and he says, hey, life is not bad. I'm a, you know, I'm a fisherman. I have this great lunch. You know, we don't have much, but it's pretty great. He finds uh, a seahorse that washes onto his boat. He picks it up, and, you know, the title is, you know, you're too majestic a creature for this salty air. And he puts the seahorse gently back into the ocean. When he goes ashore, he finds out that in his letter that his mother has passed away, drowned by the ocean that he loves so much. And he begins an emotional spiral downward spiral and you know regret and anger at the, this one thing he loves more than anything is taken away you know his mother his his one person that he loves above all and then uh he finds out that his wife is pregnant that was the other letter but he's so not guilt ridden but just so remorseful and so um uh, in such uh, mourning that he doesn't take the news like anyone else in the world does. He he is resentful. He he feels like it's a, a cross to bear. He's angry at his lot in life. It, you know, the owner of the bank is coming to take their home away. Now he's got a mouth to feed. He's lost. He doesn't know what to do. And the only thing he can really act out on is the ocean, is the sea. So he goes back out. And he, you know, he goes for fish and he's frustrated and he's angry and the ocean turns his back on him, you know, and then his wife comes out to try to find him. She puts her life in danger and only at the climax does he realize the error of his ways and uh, realize that it's it's going to be okay. He's going to be a father now. It'll be all right. And uh, there's kind of a side story of a giant octopus. Would you call it an octopus? A kraken? Not sure. I think it's... Octopi. Octopus is safe to say. Octopus. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this octopus kind of represents the embodiment of the ocean, like the king of the sea, if you will. And, and his relationship with um, with the family is he is a peace offering, and he also represents the danger of the ocean. And ultimately, it's a conflict with the octopus that makes you realize that, hey, I got to straighten up and fly right. That's all the air. <laughs> I mean, that, that tops your any longest synopsis by at least five minutes. <laughs> that wasn't that long. That was pretty long. That, that was the book. Yeah. I mean, only panel per panel that I recap it. He was kind of a J-off. Like, right off the bat, that guy was just a jerk. Yeah, I knew you weren't going to like him. <laughs> Hugh, you know, he was wrapped up in, he was he was quite selfish, you know, like somebody who isn't father material until they have to grow into being a father. He likes his time with the ocean. He's taking his sweet time eating lunch out there. Anything else can wait until after he's done fishing and after he's done soaking up some of that scenery. And then, you know, the the harshness sets in. He gets back on land. And I I think the octopus like represented I don't know, hard truth or Yeah, yeah, I guess hard truth. I was thinking about it all night because this I, my mind's kind of trying to process the story. And 
you know, Hugh is peed off at the world, and he's be, and once again he's he's selfish. He's peed that his mother died, and he's and he's killing all. Like he stands out in the middle of his boat, and he starts fishing to try to start just murdering all the fish he can get his little hands on and stuff. And then the octopus, basically, the hard truth kind of snaps him back into shape. He uh, the, the octopus tosses him around and makes him realize kind of, you know, now's not the time to be selfish. You have a wife and, and an unborn baby at home and you need to shape up and get back there and, and you know, yeah, your mom is lost. You know, Dale can do a quick eulogy for her if you'd like, <laughs> but you got to get back and who was the creator that? Who was that creator that you gave that a eulogy for? That's uh, rest in peace, Carmine Infantino. Hmm. So, but yeah, so I mean, it was it was, it was a great story. I, a, I'm, I'm stu- Your your description was was amazing. I didn't get that, on, and even my second reading of it, I've read it previously, but now that I. Now that you've described it as that, I view things a little different. Um, the art was phenomenal. I mm-hmm. love I love the art in this book. I mean, this is another book that the art. I mean, the first fifteen it felt like fifteen pages didn't have any words, and the art told the story. Yeah, yeah, that's what I. I mean, I. It was a quick read, but only because there's there's a lot of beautiful art to just kind of stare at, and it's in black and white. But that I mean, not that that I'm. That's just an observation. I'm not trying to criticize it. Dale hates beautiful. Absolutely, absolutely beautiful. The it reminded me of in terms of just general artwork. Being the storyteller was the first trait of Sweet Tooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of. I, I got, I got that vibe too. If this this wouldn't have shocked me if it was included in like a underwater welder storybook, whether it was just a collection of stories about the sea. I mean, uh, I don't know if if Tom was influenced by Jeff Lemire when he was making it or this is just one of those instances where two similar properties come up at the same time but just that emotional starting at point A and ending up at point B and just watching this journey happen through one big metaphor is something that just strikes me as very Jeff Lemire and Mm -hmm. to see somebody else do it is great because they're really using the medium in a much more artistic way, but it, it did it echoed of uh, underwater welder. Like I definitely got that vibe, that strong tone of uh, emotions told through this big empty sea that kind of directed this guy's life. So I mean, I I enjoyed it. it didn't didn't hamper me from enjoying the book at all, but it definitely mm-hmm. made me draw parallels as I was reading it. No, go ahead, Dale. Yeah, the I I just think. I thought the octopus was cool because uh, he was able to establish this guy at this octopus is kind of like taking no guff. I mean, like he kills like a humpback whale or something. So he's huge and he's, uh, but you know, he interacts with the people or the, the small cast, the two or three members of the cast that it does interact with. But I don't know. It's just a great, he was there to remind Hugh that, to get his head out of his own a and get back to living 
and maybe he'll be able to see some of the brighter side of stuff. And, you know, for for that, he's going to bite off his hand, sure, but he's like the Davos Seaworth of giant octopus. or not, I mean, the Stannis Baratheon, not the Davos. Stannis Baratheon, because he'll just, you know, he took the guy's hand. He's He's got to be fair. He tra- He killed practically everything in the sea that day, Hugh, but... You know, he's uh, being fair, letting him get back to his family, but he's going to use that beak to just take off Hugh's hand because he deserved it. The, he, could uh, be, he could be my onion night, Dale. Any day. Oh, jeez. Here we go. Here we go. The um, I was. This is his first uh, graphic novel, which I was pretty surprised at. I figured, like, the the overall artwork was... I, I like, we'll make comparisons to Jeff Lemire, but... Jeff Lemire's dogs definitely had a different artwork style to it. I think it's and it's refined over the years, but the art in that salty air already seems pretty refined for mm-hmm. having been his first book. Definitely. And I wonder and, how uh, many iterations the story went through before this one was told. Because hmm. it definitely sounds like, or just feels like, it's not sounds like, but feels like a story that he had been working on for a while. And this was kind of like his best effort at it. The art was done perfectly. The dialogue was well thought out because it, because it was so little. Kind of like less yeah. is more. And uh, so I wonder if there were early iterations of the story that kind of led to this one. There was a... I read um, uh, Demeter the other day and she did some cool things with um, speech bubbles. Like a character was outside of a home and over trying to overhear a conversation was happening inside, so she drew the speech bubbles inside the window grating, so you could see the speech bubble, but there was uh, some obstruction, and it reminded me of the scene where the where uh, his wife was calling to him from the shore, and you could see the speech bubble, but there was no text, which I thought was like a super small addition, but I thought it was I thought it was genius just to. Like a small thing to do to yeah. convey that you can't hear what she's saying. Yeah, it was really, really effective along with the the use of the the way he just drew the ocean, you know, in the in the serene times and the 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 violent storm time. Oh man. Great. And and I mean it's a top shelf hardcover. Ten bucks. You can't that's that's some crazy shelf loving right there. I checked the comic book shop today for it and they didn't have it but they ha- it's in comicsology for four bucks which is unbeatable for a story of this length for four bucks top shelf does great things with digital pricing like they're yeah forward yeah. thinking like the 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 double barrel stuff that they do with the uh, xander and kevin cannon it's like 99 cents for 150 pages or at, mm-hmm. or even a dollar 99 for 150 pages but he actually what I didn't realize until I reread it is he is the new addition to Double Barrel. Like he has a story. Oh, really? Um, if I can find out the name of it, which is Let's cool see. because cool that Top Shelf's doing that, and then in turn, like this, either in the next couple months or it's already out, they're taking the stories from Double Barrel, the first however many issues, and binding them up in a hardcover. So yeah, because Top Shelf they do justice to hardcovers like nobody's business. Are it's they good work. are they making like a heck? Hardcover, or is it they're making like magazine style? Pretty sure it's a heck hardcover because we just got the heck uh, collected edition in the app for it's like two hundred and seventy mm-hmm. pages and it's ten bucks. Wow! Yeah, that must be it. That's then. a crazy it's good price. Heck, and I guess the other one I forget what it's called. 
but they were doing two different ones. Uh, Crater. Yeah. The one from Tim Sievert is called Clandestinauts. Oh, cool. So I'm probably going to go back. Because I actually, I've been buying Double Barrel and waiting to read some of their stuff when it gets collected. I just re- I honestly buy the, I'm probably going to buy the collected, but the stuff in front of Double Barrel is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Just the the little comics that they draw. But, I mean, for a first graphic novel, fantastic from Tim Sievert. Yeah, and this is a like a perfect example of Top Shelf taking a chance. Like this is the stuff, this is the quality that Top Shelf puts out that you might not be able to notice otherwise. Like, and Top Shelf, they're going to mm-hmm. bind it in a in a nice hardcover or or price it right digitally, and they're going to take a chance on these stories that you know they might not be short enough to put in one or two comics but it's not also not a huge long graphic novel that's tons of pages it's it's like it's the right length and they're i don't i just think they do great work and they and they did great work by putting this out in a in a hardcover collection i'd love to see i'd love to get this in hardcover you might not need to buy it after Jonesy's synopsis, but you probably should anyway. Just put that yeah. audio file on a thumb drive and just listen to it. Maybe if you ever see Tim at a con, he could sign that thumb drive for you. Because, <laughs> <laughs> But I, you should get it anyway because the artwork is really something to look at. It's really beautiful. That salty air. We got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you. Man, if you thought you couldn't get enough of Man of Steel talk, wait until this segment. Oh, God. I actually don't need to see the film anymore. It's uh, <laughs> just these letters have just done everything well, for me. We got a letter from someone. That in detail discuss the ending, and Jonesy, while he's running a pre-show, he's like, "Well, I guess I don't need to see the movie anymore." <laughs> I was like, "Why did you read that?" I was gonna hear it no. anyway. Uh, letters at paperkeg dot com. We want to hear from you. We, we could have just talked you. about it in uh, the flap. You could have. We could have saved it for oh, the here. Flap. We go. I'll tell you something. All right. <laughs> the trolls are out, boys and girls. Letters at paperkeg dot com. We will read your name live on the era. Making you a star, Dale. I'll, I'll go first from uh, from Andrew Dickinson. Uh, hey guys, after Dale's report of flaccidity in Paper Keg One Hundred Three, then Paul Jenkins scaremongering in One Hundred Four, <laughs> I want to offer an alternative uh, alternative opinion on the state of the DCU right now. For me, the whole of the DCU reboot has been a total success. Within a matter of months, I have found I was able to drop every single DC title from my pull list. In the process, saved me so much money, I can now make P. Diddy look like down, look like he's down and out. In my mind, even the decent titles like Batman and Animal Man seem to suffer from death by association, and I just can't do it. It all helps to make the fortnightly express of X-Men books economically viable. Mm-hmm. To help further emphasize my point, here is a visual aid I created with the help of Chris Somney. I couldn't figure out how to send this photo without it looking like some virus that was going to destroy your computer along with your hopes and dreams. But believe me, it is totally fine to download the attachment. Best witches, fellas. Andrew, a.k.a. Dirk Feelgood on the Twitter. 
What's uh, what's in that attachment, John? I am not going to download it. It looks dangerous. <laughs> I think that was all a setup. <laughs> I'll download it when uh, Jonesy's reading the next letter. Okay. Jeez, Jonesy. It's a dot .zip file, Jonesy. You almost threw yeah. his iPad across the room. <laughs> no, thank you, <laughs> ladies and gents. That's dark feel good on the Twitter. You can trust that guy. Uh-huh. He's good people. Jonesy is just so scorned <laughs> from just and scarred from Jonesy any kind of interaction. He doesn't know how to download things. That's why. That's He's that's a big part me. of it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Keggers, I've been making my way through the show archives and recently listened to the Reign of the Replacements episodes. These were a lot of fun with each guest bringing their own unique perspective and taste in comics to the table. So my question is, with Mark gone, rest in peace, Will we occasionally hear from the Tituses, Just Dave, and Beth Corto? While Mark is missed, you guys have done a great job of maintaining the chemistry that makes Paper Keg so enjoyable to listen to. Keep up the good work, fellas. At Karate Chop 16 on the Twitter, Sean D. Mm. Mm. Well, Sean, um, oof. Well, the, the good, bad about those gems of hosts, you know, Beth Corto was a frequent return guest host. They yeah. don't have the the post whatever happened to the man man of tomorrow style paper cake recording equipment. Back then we recorded all in one room, you know, we got together come H or high water <laughs> to return in the same room uh ev- at least every 2 weeks if not more frequently than that. So I don't even know uh, if Beth Corto has a laptop. I mean, who she knows? Doesn't probably, they probably confiscated at school when she had to walk through the metal detectors to. I think you might teach. be right. I mean, it's no, it's not easy. It was, you know, how difficult it was to get us all in the same room. I'm now surprised we're still get, even talking to each other. <laughs> <laughs> now, try to imagine getting those guest hosts to get the equipment needed for this kind of magic to happen. <laughs> Um, but there's, I think I I read like one of the letters that came in and one of them brought up an idea on how to make that kind of guest hosting happen. Uh Oh, okay. Let's keep reading. We'll have to wade through it. Mm -hmm. Let's keep reading. Hello, paper keg. Mm -hmm. Guys, I'm off to a comic book convention here in Sydney this week. Supernova and parentheses. And amongst the sea of stars, including Carrie Fisher and that guy from Firefly who isn't Castle, Chris Claremont is there. <laughs> I'm pumped. I think the guy deserves huge props for all his X-Men work. I agree. Anyhow, I would love to have the Stones to ask him a question live, mic in hand, but after more than a week of racking my small brain, I got nothing except thank you for everything. 80s Rogue was the best, and the ever-popular who is your favorite member of the X-Men to write, which is at least a question, I guess, but it's pretty lame. You guys do a podcast and think of stuff to say all the time. Is there any good questions you can think of to ask this guy? I'm hoping the freaks come out early with their bizarre questions, and then I can come out with something cool. Thanks, guys. Keep rocking the comp podcast world. You must be raiding through the roof in Oceania region, Australia, and New Zealand right now. Regards, Ooh. Dave, a.k.a. Red Lantern 2051. Are we? Are the numbers burning up? In New Zealand, guys? Uh, I will confirm that the numbers in that area are mind-blowing. And I will also confirm that the heat and wind of this room have hit the trash can, and James's (laughs) diapers are now wafting towards my microphone and nose. 
and it is not pleasant. You'll be fine. God in heaven. God bless us all. Uh, what a, what question would you ask Chris Claremont Jonesy to not sound like a total zilch? Oh God, I, I don't. Th- I think I would sound like a zilch, no matter what. <laughs> but I would I would probably ask why do you choose to always write Wolverine like an old man where everybody else tries to make him super young? I always thought that was cool that Wolverine was always like. Smoking a stogie and kind of an old codger, and uh, everybody else just trying to tries to make them this cool, lean superhero guy. I always liked Wolverine when he was like old and grumpy. Mm-hmm. So maybe that I don't know. What about how did it feel writing one of the greatest storm issues of all time, Life Death? Can you sign my copy and kiss me on the cheek? I think that would be my question. Oh, there you go. Pucker up. That, I'd, also, there, I'd also be curious to know how much money he made per month in the heyday of those. Because I've heard stories of um, Scott Lobdell, Fabian Nizia, making like 70K a month what? writing in the early here. 90s. No what? way. I swear what? to God. That's Bendis money. That's Bendis money. 70K. Speculator boom lined those guys' pockets with pretty much gold. And they probably thought it was coming forever, and then who knows what they're doing now. Ask So ask Chris, Chris Claremont that. I'm sure he would just give that up in a, in a heart. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he's eager to answer any question that does not make him want to curl into a ball and die from Chris people Claremont, that ask him questions at these things. Are your colleagues from the 90s shaking their cups for pennies in the street? Yeah, what do you ask that hasn't been asked before? That would be, I would not, I wouldn't even get up there and ask. You know how, like, I probably Jeff wouldn't. Johns punked Mark Farrington because <laughs> of his dumb question? I'd probably ask him something dopey. I'd probably see him in an elevator and slap him on the ass and make myself look like a fool. <laughs> Chris, what's happening? What are you reading right now, Chris? Tell me. Slim from Comicsology. How you doing? <laughs> I'm here in this elevator with you. You would, you would corner him and, uh, like... Like hop, bounce back and forth on your hands <laughs> and bring up that storm issue. But that storm issue, huh? Like he's I never heard of it. What before. I do, Chris, is I I go on my bed and I kick my legs back up in the air and I put on some music <laughs> and I just read that issue some over Beatles. and over again. Mm-hmm. No, no one likes the Beatles. They're the worst band in the history of the planet. I put on Tegan just... and Sarah. Oh yeah, that's what I would listen to. Mm. Uh, do we get any other letters? Uh, let's see. Uh, this is from at Jim Lynn for stopping this podcast in its tracks by making the host kill themselves on the Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Your constant begging for content due to the lack of letters from Farrington fans makes me feel obliged to provide you with something. I decided to start listening to back issues. I listened to one, two, and three. The lack of audio quality and consistent cussing and apologizing makes for a different type of show entirely. After those three, I decided I will go back I will instead go backwards so I can observe as the show slowly descends into chaos and vulgarity mm. instead of slowly becoming respectable. Everybody loves a train wreck. That's at if Jim Lynn. If you listen Lind to him in reverse Pope. order, it's huh. just me discovering alcoholism. That's that's what it is. 
Jonesy, listen, Jonesy was a loose cannon, and he had to be reined in. <laughs> we all saw him on that ancillary character's guest host gig. We all saw that. I think that was the moment. That was like the, that's when Jonesy hit rock bottom. The, uh, hit rock yeah. bottom and then started digging. <laughs> Climbed your way out, and I'm proud of you for it. The uh, Listen, I, I will go on record as to say the first two episodes of Paper Keg and their audio quality were the greatest failure I've ever experienced in my life. Wow. Hands down. <laughs> uh, maybe not the biggest, it was, but it's pretty bad. I wanted to go what jump was off it? a it was bridge. Like, it was I like had, last minute recording equipment. I had two wires that were transposed that should have been on, they should have been reversed, and it effed up the quality of both episodes because we recorded them in the same night. And Just Dave's apartment was like 104 degrees Fahrenheit when we recorded, (laughs) I can recall. 104 degrees Farrington. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the episodes after that are pretty good. Pretty darn good. Not according to him. Not according to him. Trollmaster. We're all trash. We are all He's got you two wrapped around his finger. But especially Jonesy. Jonesy Jonesy is troll butter in Jim (laughs) Lynn's hands. (laughs) It's because he doesn't add punctuation. True. I never know if he's kidding. Hey guys, butter. It's not. That's the problem. Have you cons- have you considered a Kickstarter to get Beth Corta the proper equipment so she can be the fourth host? This paper cake table needs one more leg, and not another white male leg. <laughs> Love you, J Man says. J Man says on the Twitter. That's a pretty good idea. That is. Um... You know, what? So we're just Beth for Beth? Just Corto? for Beth Corto. <laughs> we have to get her a laptop. We have to get her a, she a mixer. Would never, she would never it, commit to our recording schedule the Thursday night at 10 p.m. Oh She's probably God, at the no. bar right now. I it, it, We would probably just, I don't know what we would do with that laptop. We'd probably give it to charity. And it would be a total farce. It's not a bad idea, though. It isn't. And it would be, I, I, speaking of which, I looked up the Kickstarter page for podcasts. Like, there's, mm-hmm. there's, they, they actually made a dedicated page for podcasting campaigns. And, oh my God, they're filth. They're all oh. filth. One of them didn't have any money donated. How do you do a Kickstarter campaign <laughs> and not get at least one relative to donate $5? Wow. That's, that's a shame. So what, one, so what are the, some examples of... Garbage. There was a wrestling podcast. Um because we all that, need that. That were asking for the equipment. There was one podcast that was asking for money so that they could do one every night. What? And they were going to give you executive producer credits on the show. Oh you could pick your own segment. I mean it was it was an absolute farce. Made me want to go throw my laptop in a dishwater. Yeah, this. I mean, you're not gonna have if you don't have the gumption to want to at least start your podcast and maybe get yourself some equipment, some mm-hmm. basic equipment before you start kickstartering equipment at all. A, 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 a wrestling podcast every night. I yeah. I, I, I want to stick my finger in an electrical socket right now. <laughs> uh. I mean, there's nothing wrong. I could see a wrestling podcast. There's probably room for another one if it's mm-hmm. good enough. But an, a one every night—that's major spoilers territory. Don't don't even get, don't even troll me right now with that major that, spoilers. That's why I, that's why I brought it up. Don't they charge for for some like VIP access to episodes or something? 
you would you would think they imply that by I don't know what kind of exclusive content they're putting out. I don't know, you know, we got to help the guy quit his job so he can do more podcasts and reblog more comic news. And he's only asking on for a six-figure salary <laughs> to make his podcast. Only. He's not asking for a million bucks. Just maybe 150k right. a year. Has he said that or are you is that an assumption? That's Jonesy math. <laughs> Same one who implied Brian Michael Bendis is the highest paid man on earth. Yeah, what, <laughs> Him what and Bill were Gates. the numbers that you ran? What were the numbers that you ran for Bendis' yeah, salary? I think, I think you yeah, said 600K. In residuals <laughs> I think so. and salaries I think and titles, it was, it was 250K a year. No, it wasn't. It was more than that. It was I not. It was 600K. No, get you, I think out. you did say 600K. 600K. You, you get out. That was your Check assumption. Check the tape. Show me the tape <laughs> where I said 600K. Uh, All right, that's what I'm doing, that's doing at work out. tomorrow. Not doing any other work tomorrow, but looking for mm-hmm. that. Do we get any other letters? We got one more. Oh, maybe worthy of the fireside. Okay. Um, it's it's uh, it's going to be Man of Steel talk. I'm just going to put that out there right now. And uh, as if you haven't even seen enough in your very own Twitter timeline, <laughs> the past four days. We, I feel, as a paper cake feel, we got to get into it. The spoilers are so prevalent. I could tell you what size Levi's Pac Kent wears. That's how detail oriented they are. God. What size were they? Uh, Thirty six regular. Skinny little. It's Kevin Costner. He's got chicken legs. Skinny I don't know what you Pac want. Pac hips. Those are his water world hips. I said, rich man from Nottingham. His, his the postman the hips. Uh, what a show. What a great show. Next week, Seth Breeds Love. That's a real last name. That he just made up. He will be guest hosting first ever guest host post hashtag rest in peace Mark. Uh, we know the hashtag book club. AB. But you don't. We'll see everybody next week. Check out the Echo Rift podcast guest hosted this week. Jonesy, did you listen to it yet? I did. I figured I knew <laughs> the whole plot of Superman anyway, so I might as well just listen to the Echo Rift podcast. You just jumped right into the uh, deep end of the pool there. He did. With he yeah. jumped face first. I, uh, downloading that episode. I thought. Uh, I thought it was peculiar to not see the film. But then really kind of get on the same page with you guys about the mass destruction. Apparently every human city on the planet is just leveled <laughs> by Zod. And then I guess allegedly they skip to like six months later and the city's rebuilt. And there's kind of like no... Well, it's actually not only did every human city get leveled, but it was Superman. <laughs> he did it. 
You he saw yeah, with just with just stray heat vision, and then he and then he pissed on the ashes. That's what everyone right. has everyone up in Ajita about. And Superman it's Kryptonian piss, so it's like high density <laughs> piss, right? You know your Kryptonian piss science, <laughs> absolutely. I'm <laughs> sure. Kryptonian urologist Jonesy loves beer. <laughs> Man of Steel. Did we get another letter? What's that other you, letter? You ready? Let's, just, right. let's go head first into it, please. Okay. Yo, guys. Anybody see that Man of Steel movie yet? Because I did. And man, was I conflicted. Long story short, it was a great sci-fi movie, but a mediocre Superman movie. Consider yourselves warned, y'all. Spoilers. Henry Cavill made, in my opinion, a fantastic Superman. He possessed the charm, grace, warmth, and sincerity that I've come to expect from the last son of Krypton. Unfortunately, the rest of Big Blue's supporting cast was weak. Point blank, Amy Adams can't hold a candle to Lois Lane. Lois is tougher than tough and commands respect anytime she walks in the room. Seriously, she walks into a bar and ten minutes later, sailors walk out. And, a de- and, as, a de- and as decent of a job that Amy did, her Lois Lane felt lackluster and lacked any chemistry, any chemistry with Superman. From a movie perspective, the ending was infuriating. Truth be told, if not for my fiancé, I'd have walked out of the theater... When, spoilers, Superman snapped Zod's neck. Yeah, that's what I read before the show, by the way. I hope people listening (laughs) had that half second of time to skip ahead from when he said spoilers and then the thing about Zod. In Superman's 75-year history, (laughs) one theme has remained constant. Superman doesn't kill. Yes, Zack Zack Snyder did a decent job of creating a situation where he'd be forced to kill but that ain't my Superman. Also, it seemed very strange to me that given the choice between destroying a machine that's ravaging Metropolis and killing millions of civilians a second, or stopping a machine which is ravaging an uninhibited area, Soups would take the latter instead of the former. This is getting lengthy, so let me bullet point this review. Love Soups having someone to punch and using his heat vision on. Clark would never stand idly by and watch his father die. Ever. Okay, that's another new spoiler I just read. (laughs) (laughs) Lois is the world's greatest detective and discovers the secret in all of 20 minutes. How many civilians died in those fights? Absolutely no mild-mannered reporter, Clark Kent, and damn it, I missed him. This movie wasted a huge story point by revealing Clark's ID early. Part of the appeal of Superman is the wish-fulfillment angle. That feeling of, if you could only look past my disguise and see the real me, you'd know how special I am. Mm. With Lois knowing the secret, you lose the drama of the love triangle and Clark wondering, does she love me for me? All in all, an entertaining sci-fi movie, but not my Superman. Love y'all, miss y'all, wanna kiss y'all, Mark Farrington. Wow. With the letter. Wow, it's just, just all out tingles. there now, isn't it, guys? I just got tingles saying that, Mark Farrington. I saw Mark Farrington in the flesh last weekend, and he was beside himself after having seen that film. Mark Farrington is one of the biggest Superman fans you will ever meet. Ab- guaranteed. Absolutely. And his fiance, my family lawyer, corroborated his story of getting up to leave after 
what allegedly happened at the end. Alleged. Uh, just forget it, um, guys. <laughs> I just Jonesy. imagine. I imagine Dale saying the word spoilers, and whoever had the phone in their hand, like <laughs> hopping in their hands like a hot potato, and it Struggling. flew across the room, but it still said it. And they're like, "Gah!" Um, uh, but I, well, I mean, I mean, literally, like I, I don't want to rehash it too much because I, it's, yeah, it's been I, done. We're gonna get live tweeted when somebody I, listens back to the show. Brad's gonna send us links to. Uh, reviews that agree with his his viewpoint <laughs> and send them to us, and I mean it just it was it was a good science fiction movie. They could have made yeah. they could have made Henry Cavill Omni Man, and this could have been an Invincible movie. Like there was no Superman stuff. I mean there were some really funky Jesus references that were just in my face. Um, I mean when they, they mentioned he like blatantly said that he was 33 years old my my eyes almost popped out of their sockets from rolling over so often. I mean what like 33 years old everyone knows that's Jesus. That is in your face Jesus. <laughs> How about the scene where he I rips did, open for, for the record I did not know that but I you know my, You're going straight to hell my friend but we've because talked you about send this the family on the family to yeah, church. Yeah, we have. Oh the flag. Well, I'm, I'm a I I'm a I grew up Catholic. I went to Catholic school. Ultra server of the year, check. Uh, but when he opens the wall to the spaceship and then falls out and holds his arms like this and his legs are touching, that, no. crucifix, hello, <laughs> Catholic <laughs> school, altar server of the year. Get out of my face, Goyer, Zack Snyder. Literally. I don't think that, I think if I had flight, I would. That's how I would balance myself. You would falling, stick like, it in my face with your goofy fall out of a of, of a of a ship in space. You would just fall backward. I would because I knew I got your goad this much. <laughs> uh, also, there was a scene where he was in a church and he sat under Jesus holding a crucifix, and they were literally touching. Like the the parallels of them was a little out of hand. I mean, other than that, I thought it was a good movie. <laughs> uh, but it just wasn't a Superman movie. It was so just obviously not a Superman just movie. Just a recap. Was... Clark Kent watches his father die early on. Which uh, was a great scene. I will go to my grave saying that was a fantastic scene. Lois figures no. out Superman is Superman pretty quick. Uh, She's world, to... She is the world's greatest detective. She did hear... solve it in 15 minutes. All right, let's, let's just stop, all right, Jonesy? You're probably not going to see this movie anyway. You're a father no, now. Not, not at this point. Jonesy is sending his family away for the meetup, too, so he's got time on his hands. Oh, my God, you're going to be pirating the S out of this movie that weekend. <laughs> so, all right, I I got emotional during the scene where Pa Kent, you know, prohibited Clark from saving, help, help save Fantastic his life. Fantastic scene. But I was a little upset by it because at at some point, at some point, like, why, I just don't understand why Pa Kent was so encouraging of Clark keeping his identity a secret. At, I mean, what if there were other people to save in that tornado? What if it wasn't just Pa Kent? I, I, I don't know. I'm a little, he I just, got a little bummed by that. In my view, he wasn't ready. He He didn't think Clark was ready for the world to see that he had powers, and he wasn't ready to lose his son. I think at various points he even said that's like what the bus scene. He's like, should I just let them die? And he said, maybe. Because, I mean, if you look, what if Reed had uh, or Grayson had superpowers 
and he was like doing it don't get behind all, the house. Don't get all I killed giants on me right now. Okay. And so don't so Grayson had Grayson's Grayson's sixteen right now. He just saved a, a kids from a drowning bus. You want him to just flagrantly zip around Podunk, New Jersey over there? He's gonna get locked up by the government if he reveals himself. Locked up. Vivisected. That is a thing. They will vivisect him. Is that what you want, Dale? Look. How can right. he answer that? He was I, I know, and, and I he was he was a man. Clark was a man at that point. I mean, I'm just saying, it was a, such a. Sh- I I observed. I I realized that Pa Kent, like it seemed like Jorel was more of the deciding factor that that to push Clark in the direction of being the man he was born to be, and Pa Kent was more. You know, just what you're going to be great one day, but just watch it because once you go black, you never go back. You know what I mean? Like once you go there, it's all different. You know, and I don't know, like all the all the pocket stuff, all the stuff when he was a was a younger boy, mixed with that GD Hans Zimmer score. <laughs> like I was crying into my bucket of coke that night. Like it was <laughs> super emotional. How about I, the one scene I did not like between them two was where he spoilers Jonesy <laughs> he takes <laughs> Jonesy come on he you grab a bull by the horns he takes him to his ship and is like here's the truth you're an alien <laughs> I mean like that is the opposite of of Pa Kent protecting his son and wanting to keep it forever in my view he would have kept that for so long and would have done anything then to reveal that to him at that point in his life he was so young to find that out he was yeah he was young plus the the ship whoever designed that ship that he came to earth in i mean that is not built for that touching scene you go into a, a shed and you see this thing that looks like a giant dildo i mean oh you word. lose me in all emotional capacity in that at that point. Imagine the the sexy ship that has been in the cartoon, the comics. It looks like a rocket. I mean, you're an alien, son. You came to Earth in this giant dildo. Get out of oh my, my face, God. Snyder, Goyer. God. Also, how about Metropolis looking like Pittsburgh? Metropolis. This place needs to be gorgeous. It could have been any city. And it looked like random Joe random city it, it was did. like an in, like an intern was in charge of designing this the the overall structure of metropolis Look, and he they took just that needed, day off they just needed big buildings because they were going to knock them down <laughs> they didn't okay? give a crap what they looked like they're going to be rubble and then was, lois and clark were going to make out over the ashes of eight billion people in oh metropolis. wait so they make See, out now <laughs> the ashes of the dead were probably still on their wet chapped lips as they pressed the lips together <laughs> oh my god they probably tasted the dead as they <laughs> embraced each other, as they were you got him, sweeping you got each other off their now. feet. He's squeaking. <laughs> Lois Lade's dusty shoes <laughs> from the ashes of the dead. I mean, can you imagine her laundry that night? <laughs> I hope she'd burn those clothes. Can you imagine honestly. the dryer filter <laughs> that night? I just imagine oh, I her either. clapping her pumps together like the eraser after a day of school. <laughs> exactly. And just the layer. Exactly. Like she had to climb in the sandbox to go after a kid. <laughs> I mean, that is no exaggeration. 
Absolutely there's pla- like plaster Paris, concrete, <laughs> bone, all just turned to dust. It's like World of the Worlds. They were breathing uh, it remember, in. Do you remember the scenes in War of the War of the Worlds where the aliens were zapping the humans and their ash would fly onto Tom Cruise and he was like spitting out people <laughs> ash? That movie was not yeah. great, but I remember that scene. I I personally, um, for all the freedoms that Lois Lane had, I loved Amy Adams as Lois Lane. She oh, was I thought she was I great. thought she was spectacular. That that and, moment where he tells the the tornado scene, like she confronts mm-hmm. him about the oh, secret man. identity and I was like, Wow, that took place in four minutes. She should she should work for the police force and solve crimes. Yeah. So yeah. then he tells her the story about how he reve- he his father died. And then they cut to her, and she is, like, emotionally stricken from the story. And her whole world, her view of him as an alien has been flipped upside down. I thought that was amazing, she, she that, completely, that acting. She sold it completely because I believed that she believed that she regretted everything she leaked about him. Mm-hmm. She regretted ever telling that creepo blogger. It, it was beautiful. Oh, and yeah. she's be- I mean, she's beautiful, too. Like, as much as we rag on the movie, there were some phenomenal scenes in it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely phenomenal stuff. But I think that's what disappointed me the most. Like, if yeah. you had kept up that pace of all those flashbacks, you would have had, like, the, one of the greatest films ever, mm-hmm. in my view. I agree. I think the first two-thirds of the movie, I, lo- I mean, I loved it up until the the destruction porn at the end. Like, they were just... It was like when you go to. <laughs> I just love like looking at Jonesy this whole time. It's like, like when you go to a county myself. fair and they you pay money to like break bottles, like you pay to just smash things. That's what the whole CGI team did mm-hmm. with this. I mean, they must have been working on that CGI because remember when they first debuted the first still and his hand was on that uh, safe, like he had cracked, he had dent, dented the safe. And that was the scene mm-hmm. in the first Smallville fight, I think. So they must have shot that. That that was probably the first stuff they shot, so they could start doing the CGI that long ago. Now that I think about it, that's pretty crazy. And same with Smallville. I mean, they just completely tore through Smallville. Oh, it's like, done. Like yeah. she's still coming. She's still coming uh, particles out of the. Oh yeah, the local pharmacist from her hair. That's all Ma Kent is good for in the movie. <laughs> She's almost worthless, so she's got... You guys don't have any Ma Ken spoilers? She's uh, got jiggers from walking through the weeds <laughs> in her ankles. <laughs> and she's, uh, you know, helping the townsfolk clean up after having their pie baking competition. How about the scene where, spoilers, he tells Ma Kent that he found his father. He found his, his real parents. And spoilers. she... <laughs> I gotta put huge spoiler tags in these show notes, Jonesy. Keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, what, I'm gonna listen. listen back. Back. I'm gonna forget everything and then listen back and be like, "Oh yeah, that's right." I no, I honestly do think that you should see the movie and the not, stuff that we're saying. Now. I think you'll probably forget everything we say while yeah. you're sitting there. Yeah, you will. It's you will get swept up at least mm-hmm. in the score. The score will make you forget. Hans Zimmer, the beauty. I mean, really, Jonesy. He's a audio panty dropper with that score. <laughs> Absolutely. So is Jimmy Olsen in this film? Uh, spoilers, he's a female, and her name is Jenny Olsen. But it, it's not like she was even, it wasn't the even, th- like, paid attention to. The, okay. I don't know, honestly, I don't even know why they included Perry White 
and yeah. Jenny Olsen and that that dude. Yeah, and the, and the dude from Dawn of the Dead. That's the because only reason I know him. They were, I mean, Daily Planet wasn't a thing. He doesn't work there. She barely has anything to do with the Daily Planet that much. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where they're in trouble and buildings are collapsing, which were very similar to 9-11 footage. I mean, I don't know how, I don't know if anyone rolled, rolled their eyes when I said that, but I mean, I mean, it's still, like, it happened in real life and this movie looks like that. So it's very similar to it. So there's, like, scenes with Lauren, Lawrence Fishburne running. I mean, why would I ever want to see that? That guy is, I, I, oh my good God. Lord. I mean, he probably was wearing a girdle. He's a real um, man. He, that's how, what I would look like if I were black and running down the street. <laughs> He's just a regular guy trying to not get killed like the 800 million other people in that city. That he all didn't nice. need to it wear a sm- He didn't need to wear a medium shirt to work that day, knowing full well that he'd be running down the streets of ashy metropolis. Sometimes you're out of laundry and you have one clean undershirt left and you're wearing your wife's socks. <laughs>